We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. Life is filled with both sunshine and storms. But without God's navigation, souls can easily become spiritually shipwrecked. Anchored in Christ is a weekly broadcast that ministers the scriptures so we can know Christ the Savior and enjoy salvation, security, strength, and stability found only in Him as we set sail through life's marvelous journey. Here's Pastor David Kahiwat. If you have your Bible, open it to Malachi 3. Malachi 3, and we will be reading Malachi 3, verses 7 through 10. Malachi 3, verses 7 through 10. The Bible says, Even from the days of your fathers, you are gone away from mine ordinances and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But she said, Wherein shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, Wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven, and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. There has been much controversy over the decades concerning pastors and preachers preaching about giving. The reason is because of the scores of charlatans who get behind the sacred desk clothed in sheep's clothing and drain their flocks of God's money for their own personal gain. Well, by the grace of God, may that never be true of the under-shepherd of Anchor Baptist Church of San Diego. However, giving to God has always been in Scripture and therefore must be taught for the right purpose. Now, it would stand to reason that businesses are obsessed with making money because that's what businesses do. They are a for-profit organization. However, when churches ought to be obsessed with spreading the good news of the salvation freely provided by God, but instead are obsessed with making money, then sin lies at the door. Tragically, even Christians can become obsessed with money. I read a study that in 2015, it showed that per capita in America, Christians give to God less today than what believers gave during the Great Depression. At best, only 25% of a church congregation tithes. For the record, I have no idea, idea who gives or even gives how much people give, and I have no desire to know how much people give. Money is not an evil thing. I've heard people say that money is the root of all evil. That's not true. 1 Timothy 6 verse 10 says, For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. There have been great men in the Bible who were rich, godly men who were rich. Abraham was rich. Job was rich. King David was rich. Solomon was very rich. You see, as the local body of Christ at Anchor Baptist Church, we should love the cause of Christ without having a love for money. However, understand this. 
Money is a part of living the sacred Christian life. Money is a part of operating the church. Often, Christians divide life into two categories, the sacred from the secular. It's easy to put spiritual matters into the sacred category, which would include things like prayer, Bible reading, worship, soul winning, and serving the needy. But what about the other days of the week? What about other activities? What about our television practices? What about the way we conduct ourselves in the business world? What about our conduct and the involvement in civic and political arena? What about what we do with the money that God has given to us? You see, for the believer, there ought not to be any difference between the sacred and the secular. Christians tend to provide money in, excuse me, Christians tend to divide money into sacred and secular categories as well. We set aside a small portion for God and view the rest as secular to do whatever we want for ourselves, which we are free to do as we please. This kind of dichotomous thinking breeds weakness in a church. When we fail to see our Christian life as a sacred trust from God, over which we have been made stewards in everything about life, we run the risk of acting secularly meaning keeping religious, spiritual things out of it. And this happens especially with regards to money. So, in the next few weeks, for the month of January, we are going to look at God's view of giving, and the purpose is to help us all view the finances which we have been entrusted in the same way God sees it. Is money a source of tension and anxiety in life? Could it be a source of tension in our marriages? There are two main reasons that marriages end up in divorce. Lack of communication and lack of cash. God has intended money to be a blessing and not a burden. And marriages who do not communicate openly about their finances tend to be burdened. It will only be a burden and if we do not communicate. But money can be a blessing if we learn the truth of giving back to God what He has already given to us. In this passage of Scripture, I want us to see God's principles of giving. And this is the first part of a two-part series that I'm going to be preaching. And then the third week, I'm going to be preaching on faith, promise, giving. You know, money speaks deep, deeply to most people. Money is one of the best representations we have of our values and priorities. Just look at your own personal bank account. See where you're putting your money. That tells you what kind of person you really are. We give ourselves to a vocation or a pursuit and we receive money in return and the money we have represents who we are. When the subject of money uh, or giving away money comes up, it speaks of people giving up a part of what they are. And so we'll talk about God's prescribed principles for giving away part of who we are as represented by our money. And the prescription is twofold, giving in tithes and giving in offerings. We must distinguish the difference between the two. To tithe means to bring a tenth, because tithe literally means tenth. The Jewish people were taught to bring 10% of everything they had to God, 
and that was everything of their increase. Now, because there was far less physical money back then, there were no coins, there were no bills, the tithe, the 10%, was usually in the form of, in the, uh, a portion, in the form of the harvest or a flock. Deuteronomy 14.22 says, Thou shalt truly tithe all the increase of thy seed, that the field bringeth forth year by year. Deuteronomy 14.28 tells us, At the end of three years, thou shalt bring forth all the tithe of thine increase the same year, and shalt lay it up within thy gates. Leviticus 27.32 says, And concerning the tithe of the herd, or of the flock, even of whatsoever passeth under the rod, the tenth shall be holy unto the Lord. So there's giving in tithe of our increase, which is a minimum of a tenth. Then there's giving in offerings. An offering is what we give above and beyond our 10%. So how much are we to give in tithing? It is a minimum of 10% of our increase. As was mentioned before in the passages in Deuteronomy and Leviticus, it tells us, it speaks of all thy increase. Not the leftover that is after taxes, but all the increase, which means we are to tithe on 10% of the gross increase. And the offerings, however, are whatever God lays upon our hearts above the 10%. And so as we look at this passage of Scripture, I want you to see several things. The first thing I want you to see is this. In verses 8 and 9, when we give in tithes and offerings, we prevent God from being defrauded. Malachi 3, verses 8 and 9 says, Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But you say, Wherein have we robbed thee? God answers, In tithes and offerings. Ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. That word rob means to cheat or defraud. You see, the nation of Israel had stopped giving to God because they got away from following his ordinances. And we're told that in verse number 7, which says, Even from the days of your fathers, ye are gone away from mine ordinances and have not kept them. As, I, as we've already seen in Deuteronomy and Leviticus, God commanded to give 10%. But the nation as a whole didn't give. There's a mentality today, however, amongst believers that since Christ has fulfilled the law and giving a tenth was part of the Old Testament law, then tithing is therefore obsolete. No, that thinking is unbiblical. Just because Christ did fulfill the law, it doesn't mean that we don't need to abide by the law. We are not now free to kill, nor to steal, or disobey parents, or covet our neighbor's goods, or commit adultery. No, we are to obey the spirit of the law and not to focus merely on the letter of the law. And because God doesn't change, giving tithes and offerings were still to be in effect. Malachi 3 verse 6 says, For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore you sons of Jacob are not consumed. Some would say, well, I disagree because Christ has fulfilled the law, then I don't have to give a tenth. I can tithe 5% or 2%. It's the spirit of tithing. Well, if you, one thinks that way, then they're not tithing because tithe literally means tenth. And if you're going to give, think of giving by the spirit of tithe, then it's still tenth. You can't give 5% and think you're tithing because tithing is 
And tithing can apply to everything we receive. God addressed the nation of Israel that when that they had been defrauding him in the areas of tithing and offerings. When the nation stopped tithing and giving, then God's blessing stopped. When they returned in obedience in the areas of tithing and offerings because they no longer were defrauding God, then God blessed the nation. Now understand that the tithe is not simply a money-raising tool, but more importantly, it is a people-growing tool or a spiritual growth-raising tool. It raises Christians into conformity with the will of God, teaching them to trust Him and thank Him for all His provisions in this life. So not only that when we give in tithes and offerings, we prevent God from being defrauded. But secondly, I want us to see that when we give in tithes and offerings, we put God preeminently. Malachi 1, verse number 8 says, And if ye offer the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? And if ye offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it now unto thy governor. Will he be pleased with thee, or accept thy person? saith the Lord of hosts. Exodus twenty two nineteen tells us, Thou shalt not delay to offer the first of thy ripe fruits and of thy liquors. The firstborn of thy sons shalt thou give unto me. Exodus twenty three nineteen says, The first of the first fruits of thy land thou shalt bring unto the house of the Lord thy God. Thou shalt not see the kid in his mother's milk. You see, Malachi addressed the people as he did because they were pretending to be faithful to God when in fact they weren't. In verse 8 of chapter 1, we saw that the nation was giving blemished animals, which they wouldn't even give to a human ruler. They wouldn't give to a, a governor a lame or sick uh, calf or, or lamb. But that's what they were doing to God. They would pretend to tie their best by finding the weakest, poorest animal in the flock and offer it to God. In essence, they were giving God the leftovers and keeping the best for themselves. Malachi 1 verse 14 says, But cursed be the deceiver, which hath in his flock a male, and voweth and sacrifices unto the Lord a corrupt thing. What they were doing was that they were giving God the leftovers of their flock and their increase, and selfishly keeping the best for themselves. And furthermore, in Exodus 22 and Exodus 23, God made it very clear not to delay to offer the first of the ripe fruits and to offer the first of the first fruits. That means to prioritize the giving to God. You know what we tend to do as Christians? We tend to give God our leftovers. We pay bills first and then whatever is left over, that's what we tithe on. Well, God says, don't delay to offer the first of thy ripe fruits. When Cain and Abel offer their sacrifices to God, many people have taught that Cain's offering was not accepted by God because it was a grain offering and God only accepted a blood offering. Well, that's not true because even in the book of Leviticus, God accepted grain offerings just as easily and, and willingly as he accepted blood offerings, the lamb offerings and the calf offerings and the, the, the uh, flock offerings, the um, uh, bird offerings. 
he would also accept grain offerings. But if you read in the book of Genesis that the problem with Cain was that not that he didn't give an offering or the right kind of offering, it was his heart that was wrong. Abel gave the first fruit of the flock. That means he gave the best and right away he gave of the first fruit of the flock. Whereas Cain, he did not give the first fruits. He gave the leftovers and God would not accept it. And this is what we often do as Christians. Many years ago, somebody gave me a poem entitled Leftovers. And it goes like this. Leftovers are such humble things we would not serve to a guest. And yet we serve them to our Lord who deserves the very best. We give to him leftover time, stray minutes here and there. Leftover cash we give to him, yet few bills as we can spare. We give our youth into the world to hatred, lust, and strife. Then in declining years we give to him the remnant of our life. You see, God deserves the first and finest from each one of us. So let's give to God preeminently as our priority. Biblical tithing and biblical giving and offerings makes giving to God the priority and giving to Him the best. And we don't delay. We have started in our practice at home that as soon as we get an income check, we tithe right away. We don't wait until after the bills are paid before we tithe. The first check that is written is giving to God. I've heard many Christians say that they can't afford to tithe. Well, in reality, you can't afford not to tithe. I have found that when Christians make tithing and giving offerings preeminent and a priority, then the financial struggles are often minimized. And then many times the financial struggles go away completely. Now, lest you think I'm perfect, I'm not. I've been guilty of holding back. and I've, e- But I've even recently heard someone say, I just keep forgetting to give tithes. What message does it send to God when we forget to give to Him? It sends a message to God that He's not that important. Oh, we won't forget to check our social media. We won't forget to be on our phones. We won't forget to play on our video games. But when we forget to pull, to give to God, that sends a message that he's not that important. It sends a message that we haven't made him preeminent in our lives. Giving in tithes and offerings is a way of reconfirming our values and priorities to God on a regular basis. Whether we give weekly or bi-monthly or monthly, either way, don't give God the leftovers. Tithing to God and giving our offerings right away puts and keeps God preeminent and keeps us from defrauding Him of what already belongs to Him. So, not only that when we give in tithes and offerings, we prevent God from being defrauded, and not only do we put God preeminently, but thirdly, I want us to see that when we give in tithes and offerings, we prove God's promises. Verse number 10 The Bible says, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. 
The Bible makes it very clear that God is the one who provides for our income. Some people would say, well, no, I got the job myself. No, you didn't. God opened the door. God put it on the employer's heart to hire you. And it is that income that God gives to you. And if we do not remember that God is the one that gives it to us, then we're defrauding God. Deuteronomy 8, verse number 18 says, But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant which he sware unto thy fathers as it is this day. You see, we are to remember God when it comes to our wealth. And when we do that, he establishes the covenant. He keeps his promises. Do you realize that God is more willing to prove himself to be faithful to us than we are? This is God's way of proving his promises that he is faithful to hear us and to take care of his flock. Giving in tithes and offerings is a trust issue. It is a faith issue. One of the members of our church, Roger Schneider, said that giving to God is a faith ministry. We give to God in obedience, and by faith we trust Him to meet the rest of our needs. The best way to prove God is to honor Him first, especially if it puts us in a tighter financial bind than normal. Isn't it interestingly true that when there's too much month at the end of the money, that we begin to pray and ask God to help us and get us through it? That sometimes is what God wants us to do, and the place he wants us to be, to be in a place of trusting in him. God will honor and bless our efforts for our obedience to him. And I have found that many people who do not give in tithes and offerings tend to have financial problems. God will get his due in some way or another if we do not tithe or give in offerings. It may be a car repair. It may be a home repair. It could be a sickness and ends up in a doctor bill or whatever. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that just because you have car repairs or home repairs or you're sick and end up in the hospital, it means that you're not giving to God. No, I'm not saying that. But if you haven't been giving to God, that may very well be reason. The reason why is because you've been defrauding him and he is allowing these things to happen to get what he rightfully deserves. A hundred percent of the things that we have, material things, time, relationships, they all belong to God. He allows us to be stewards of 90% of it. The other 10% belongs to him. I've also found that people who begin to tithe find it much easier to live on 90% of what they have than it was to live on 100%. Why? Because they budget and they are under control. Now, Tithing the God to 10% doesn't mean that it's going to be pain-free. Part of the fruit of the Spirit is temperance, which is self-control. I find that when people give in tithes and offerings, they also tend to have better self-control of their spending habits. God has always proven himself to bless those who give, and he is a faithful and true God to his promises of opening the windows of heaven to pour out a blessing. Now I want to close with this. For this portion, part one, Psalm 81 verse 10 says, I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the hand of Egypt. Open thy mouth wide and I will fill it. You see, God promises 
that if we are willing to trust in him, put him first, keep him from being defrauded, and seek to prove his promises, open our mouths wide, he will fill it. That's a promise of God, and he will meet our needs. Next time, we're going to finish off the second part of Principles of Giving to God. If you're looking for a church family where you can serve, I'd like to invite you to Anchor Baptist Church of San Diego. We are a Christ-centered, family-oriented ministry located at 8245 Ronson Road, Suite D, San Diego, California, 92111. Our services start on Sunday for Sunday school at 9.30 a.m., and our morning worship begins at 10.45. Then we have a brief time of fellowship before we begin our afternoon service at 12.15 p.m. Our midweek Bible study and prayer time is every Wednesday at 7 p.m. And if you or anyone you know is struggling with a destructive, addictive behavior, Anchor Baptist Church offers an addictions recovery ministry, which is a Bible-based recovery program that provides freedom through the power of God and His Word. This program is called Reformers Unanimous, and we meet every Friday at 7 p.m., also at 8245 Ronson Road, Suite D, San Diego, California, 92111. For more information, visit us at www.anchorbaptistchurchsd.org. That's www.anchorbaptistchurchsd.org. Or call us at 619-804-3413. That's 619-804-3413. You've been listening to Anchored in Christ with Pastor David Kehiwat. For more information, visit anchorbaptistchurchsd.org. Tune in next week at the same time for Anchored in Christ.